Welcome to Tomorrow's World. Lee Iacocca was one of the most successful chief executive officers in American 20th century business. He remains among the famous and is known for his no-nonsense approach and straight talk. In addition to business, he is also the author of several best-selling books such as Talking Straight and Where Have All the Leaders Gone? In 1978, Iacocca took over at the helm of beleaguered Chrysler Corporation. And the next year, he secured $1.5 billion in government-backed loans, effectively saving the automobile manufacturer and thousands of jobs. And if that wasn't enough, under his leadership, Chrysler Corporation paid all those loans seven years early. How often is that done in business? In 2009, he was ranked by Portfolio.com number 18 among the 20 all-time most successful American chief executive officers. Yet for all this, Iacocca admits he is not sure of his success in life. Quoting from his book, Talking Straight, he recognizes the limitations of fame and power and questions the meaning of life. As I start the twilight years of my life, I try to look back and figure out what it was all about. I'm still not sure what is meant by good fortune and success. I know fame and power are for the birds. If Lee Iacocca is uncertain about success, where does that leave you and me? After all, few, if anyone watching this program, are as rich and famous as Lee Iacocca. Even apart from wealth and fame, which one of us has been the head of a large car company? My friends, do you know what real success is? And do you know how to attain it? You may not realize it, but there are seven laws governing success. And if you follow all seven of them, you can be successful beyond your wildest imagination. I guarantee it. I challenge you to stay tuned because I'll be right back to tell you how you can become a success beyond your wildest dreams. Welcome to all our viewers around the world who are joining us today here at Tomorrow's World. In last week's program, I began this two-part series on the seven laws of success. And yes, there are laws that regulate success. These laws, when kept, move you toward success in life. But when broken, they break you. Many of the world's great leaders in government, industry, and business observe most of these laws, but almost none keep all seven. 
And as with Lee Iacocca, they too may wonder what it is all about. Many reach what this world considers to be success, but something is missing, and true lasting success eludes them. Now please understand, this is not an attempt to throw stones at men and women who have achieved more than the average. Wherever we find someone who is seen as successful in this world, we usually find that he or she has applied several, if not most, of these laws of success. We can and should learn from these people, especially the things they did right. But how can anyone reach lasting success unless he knows what lasting success is? In the first program, I covered the first three laws. In short, they were fix the right goal, educate yourself toward that right goal, and build and maintain good health. Many people look at success in terms of gold and glory. The more money one can amass, the greater the fame and influence. The greater one's success, but this kind of success eventually comes to an end, either because the gold or the glory disappear with time and circumstances, or because we cannot take these things with us beyond the grave. So one must ask the following questions. How much gold is enough? How much glory is enough? How much does it take to declare oneself successful? And far more importantly, is there life after gold and glory? Why is King Solomon declared in Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter and verse 10, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. Do you believe that, my friends? Because most people don't. Most people think that if they only had a little bit more, they would be satisfied. But here at Tomorrow's World, we proclaim a message of success that goes beyond the accumulation of goods and the temporary accomplishments of today. We look to success that goes beyond the grave. So while it is true that these laws of success do apply to the temporary affairs of this life, whether it's building a business, owning your dream home, retiring comfortably, or finding the right mate and raising a happy family, it is not just any goal that will bring lasting success. For even though we don't like to think about it, the grim reaper will someday come knocking at our door. That is why if you want lasting success, our first law is fix the right goal. I have a friend who I'll refer to as Frank because he asked me not to use his real name. Frank is a wonderful example of someone who follows these seven laws of success. He had a goal when he graduated from high school. He knew the direction he wanted to go in life and he pursued that goal by preparing himself through education and he did so with unusual passion. He received bachelor degrees from the University of California at Berkeley in physics, mathematics, biology, chemistry, and biochemistry. He then went on to Florida State University where he earned a master's degree in biochemistry and engineering science. All of this was done to fulfill his goal. And I know this is a mouthful, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, of building medical instruments that can analyze and measure the internal organizational structure of cells. 
to enable a more detailed analysis of cell contents and abnormalities. His inventions will impact the lives of tens of thousands, and perhaps without you realizing it, even your own life. It was because of Frank's broad education in several technical fields that he was able, and continues to be able to design and bring to production instruments that are revolutionizing medical lab testing, making it faster, more accurate, and less prone to errors. Frank understood at an early age his need for preparation through education. That is our second law of success. Our third law of success is build and maintain good health. No one can live up to his or her full potential if he is tired, drowsy all the time, or sickly. Now to be sure, there are individuals who have persevered and endured physical adversity and still been highly successful. But imagine how much more they could accomplish were they to enjoy good health. Whatever success one may have, possessing energy, strength, and stamina makes greater achievement possible. Such simple things as getting adequate rest and regular exercise go a long way toward this goal. But the Bible contains other regulations and principles that build and maintain good health. So after fixing the right goal and educating oneself to attain it, the third law of success teaches us the importance of building and maintaining good health. These are the first three laws of success, but this is not all that is needed. Even if someone has a strong desire to obtain a goal, has educated himself to know how to achieve that goal, and has good health, success is far from assured. After all, success comes to those who do something. Accomplishment is the result of doing. This takes effort. This takes drive. That is why our fourth law of success is drive. This means energy must be put into the task of accomplishing your goal. Partial or half-hearted effort may take you in the direction of your goal, but driving yourself will move you along to successful accomplishment. Consider how many hopes and dreams have faded away in the midst of time for lack of drive. How many good ideas have died in bed or fizzled in the heat of the sun? This fourth law separates the doers from the do-nothings, the great from the wannabe greats. My friend Frank followed the first three laws, but if he didn't have the drive to take his education and pursue his goal, nothing would have happened. Those who live a life of accomplishment put a prod on themselves to do things they may not humanly want to do. They take care of business. They put work first and postpone play. They do the tedious and the difficult. They forsake wasteful entertainment such as television and time-consuming internet socializing and texting. They go to bed at a reasonable time. Then when morning comes, they drive themselves to get out of bed early and off to productive labor. They put a constant prod on themselves. The Bible admonishes young people to learn to drive themselves. Proverbs, the 10th chapter, verse 4, tells us, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Another proverb explains why some people rule and others are ruled over. 
That's found in the 12th chapter of Proverbs, verse 24. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. And Proverbs 22:29 gives us encouragement to the person who is at the top of his or her profession. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Yes, it is the diligent, those who drive themselves, who excel in their work. They end up at the top of the class or the top of the organization, while the lazy man sinks to the bottom. It is not that the lazy man doesn't want to end up at the top. He is not there because he or she is unwilling to pay the price of hard work to get there. As we are told in Proverbs, the 13th chapter, and in verse 4, The soul of the lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. Now, of course, we must not forget the importance of the first law in this discussion. Riches are fine in their proper place, and they often come to those who have drive. But remember, riches do not equal success. Far too many have full bank accounts but empty lives. So remember that first law, fix the right goal. But having drive to obtain that goal is our fourth law. Now let us consider our all-important fifth law of success, resourcefulness. Sometimes we refer to this as turning lemons into lemonade, taking something sour and turning it into a delightfully refreshing drink on a hot day. In any endeavor, things do not always work the way we expect. Emergencies arise, we run into detours, setbacks occur. On April the 11th, 1970, a 110-meter tall Saturn V rocket blasted off from its Florida launch pad with three American astronauts aboard. Destination, the moon. Just into the third day of their journey, the crew gave a 49-minute TV broadcast showing how comfortably they lived and worked in the weightlessness. Commander Jim Lovell signed off with this message. This is the crew of Apollo 13 wishing everybody there a nice evening. And we're just about ready to close out our inspection of Aquarius, that's the landing module, and get back for a pleasant evening in Odyssey, the command module. Good night. Nine minutes later, in some 320,000 kilometers from Earth, Jack Swigert's matter-of-fact comment was one of the greatest understatements of all time. Houston, we've had a problem here. Indeed, they did. The number two oxygen tank had exploded, leaving Apollo 13 with Jim Lovell, Jack Swigert, and Fred Hayes in a fight for their lives. The next four days recorded one of the greatest displays of resourcefulness ever known to man as teams of astronauts, engineers, mechanics, and mathematicians worked out problem after problem with near zero room for error to turn disaster into triumph. Resourcefulness literally saved their lives. They took the resources available to them and worked out ingenious solutions. 
they did what had never been done before because nothing quite like this had ever happened before. Some consider this to be NASA's finest hour, their greatest achievement ever. When trouble strikes, some people throw up their hands and give up. When evaluating what resources they might have available and how they might properly use them would lead to a solution to the problem. Often it is a minor adjustment to plans. But other times, as in the case of Apollo 13, it requires calmness under pressure, cooperation with others, and a positive can-do attitude. It also requires an understanding of one's resources, and this reminds us of our second law of success, which is education. Apollo 13 could never have improvised solutions without a large team of men who were fully educated in what they were doing and what resources they could call upon to work out those solutions. Apollo 13 is just one example of why resourcefulness is our fifth law of success. In the Analects of Confucius, we find an example of our sixth law, which is perseverance. In Book 14, Number 40, we are told, Xilu stopped for the night at Stonegate. The gatekeeper said, Where are you from? Xilu said, from the household of Confucius. The gatekeeper said, the one who knows there's nothing that can be done but keeps on trying. Confucius was a determined man. He didn't give up. As with so many others down through the centuries, the truly great are often not recognized as such by their own generation. The character to continue when men or women of lesser determination give up often separates the successful from the unsuccessful. We often refer to this law as stick to Successful people never give up. My friend Frank is an example of perseverance. Time and again he came to roadblocks and faced difficulties that would have caused lesser men to throw in the towel. He spent over 30 years working on one instrument that would revolutionize lab testing of blood samples. He spent over $100,000 to secure his inventions with patents, only to have people try to steal them on three separate occasions. Time and again, just when everything seemed hopeless, sometimes with an empty bank account, something would happen to keep him going. Yes, 30 years is a long time to persevere. Perseverance is our sixth law of success. Never give up. The seventh law of success is one that few follow. Because people don't have this one right, they almost assuredly don't have the first law correct. Many people admit that luck played a part in their success. They realize certain breaks came their way. The good timing happened to be on their side, or that by chance, they were influenced by someone who was critical to their success. But what if luck, good fortune, chance, and breaks were taken out of the equation? Is success dependent on happenstance? Frank certainly doesn't think so. As mentioned earlier, he came against roadblocks time and time again. People tried to steal his patents, his ideas that he had spent years in creating. There were many times when his bank account was empty and he had employees to pay. But in every case, something happened to get him past the crisis. 
And what was that something? Was it mere luck? I'd like to read from his own words on the subject. Just when we were almost out of money, God would provide just enough money to keep us going. An unexpected sale would happen. A small business loan was approved, etc. Our poor controller was always in tears. But finally she began to believe that we could live by faith and that God would provide. Yes, Frank understands the seventh law of success. Build a relationship with the Creator God and seek His help and guidance. Admittedly, there are many men and women who have followed the first six laws of success and have attained what most people think is success. And it is success to a certain degree, but not the kind of success that lasts forever. It is only those who apply the first six laws and the all-important seventh law who are assured of success, whether in this life only or in success that lasts for eternity. We began this series with the first law, fix the right goal. Because most people don't know what the right goal is, they are likely not applying this seventh law. We cannot emphasize enough that most people are chasing after the wind and seeking for happiness in all the wrong ways. Money is a deception. It will buy thrills and excitement, but it will not buy happiness. It cannot buy a happy marriage, respectful children, and a harmonious relationship with your neighbor. It will not give lasting meaning to life, and it cannot buy eternal life. The prophet Jeremiah records the following in chapter 2 and verse 13. God says of our people, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Yes, people forsake the true source of a satisfying, successful life and turn to all the sources that cannot bring lasting success. I remember the time when I was a boy, how I wanted a telescope to view the stars and the planets up close. I begged my parents to let me buy one, but my father felt it was a waste of money. Finally, after a year or so, I was able to convince my mother against my father's will to let me get one. I couldn't wait to get it out and peer at the moon. I found the planet Saturn and viewed its rings. I looked at Venus and Mars and back at the moon again. I even tried my hand at photographing the moon, but it turned out to be a blurred image. After a few weeks, the object of my desire faded. My father was right. Well, it gave me a few exciting moments, it did not satisfy for long. Think back on the last time you really wanted some new thing, perhaps a car, maybe some new electronic gadget, a Rolex watch, or a new suit of clothes. There is the initial satisfaction of obtaining your desire, but always that satisfaction fades. As with a roller coaster ride at an amusement park, it can be a real thrill for a short time, but then it's over. And because it doesn't satisfy, you line up to do it again. This is how most people approach life. They chase one thrill, one exciting moment after another, seeking happiness and success. But in the end, something is missing. What about you? Will you continue to go to the broken cisterns? Or will you go to the fountain of living waters?
Building a relationship with the Creator God and seeking His help and guidance is the only way to lasting success. When someone gets sick, he looks to the doctor to save him. But what happens when it is more than a temporary curable illness? What if the doctor calls in the specialist and gives the bad news? I'm sorry, we've done all that we can. It is at this moment that people begin to look to a higher source. This is when they cry out to God. But think for a moment, if there is a real God, why do we wait so long to get to know Him? Can He not help us in all our endeavors today? Let's review all seven laws. Fix the right goal. Educate yourself toward that right goal. Build and maintain good health. Drive yourself toward that goal. Use resourcefulness when needed. Persevere. And build a relationship with the Creator God and seek His help and guidance. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the true God, the God of the Bible, the Creator of all things, and the one who can help you obtain true lasting success, go to our website, which will be shown momentarily. There you will find a booklet that you can read online or download titled, The Real God, Proofs and Promises. This booklet will help you face the most important questions of all. Is there a real God? And is He interested in you? And let me be clear, we're not talking here about just any God, but the God who created the universe and life on this planet. The God who gives you every breath you breathe and the one with whom you may have a personal relationship. You will also find other material on our website that will help you to understand the very meaning of life straight from the pages of the Bible. So be sure to come back each week at the same time and station to learn more about the meaning of life and the good news of tomorrow's world. Until then, goodbye, friends. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. The preceding program has been produced by the Living Church of God.